Good evening from Los Angeles, ladies, gentlemen, assorted people that don't give a fuck. My name is Holiday Kirk. You're listening to the New Metal Agenda. Tonight, we have ourselves a nice in-between season episode for you all. Joining me tonight are my co-hosts, Cramfather. Hello. Z. What's up, everybody? Wolf. Hello. Big celebrity guest in the building. Seen it all, done it all. Please welcome, of the band Soil, Tim King. Hey, how you guys doing, man? Tim, bring us up to speed. Where are you and what you up to? Well, we're uh, just getting ready to go to Australia with Static X. So got a lot of rehearsing to go and get ready for that. And a lot of prep work. And the immigration is just through the roof now since COVID happened. And everybody has all these new new rules and regulations. So it's been uh, quite the adventure, let me tell you. This isn't the band's first time in Australia, is it? It'll be our third. It'll be your third. How's the tour going overall? Uh, we haven't toured in three years, so the so tour's not it, going it's well. Not, it's not going at all. Not going we, at uh, all. After the last gigs we played, we did a uh, a West Coast tour in, in February of 20, and then COVID hit, and we just kind of dug in. And when things started to lighten up a little bit, we're like, well, do we, do we go with all these protocols? Do we kind of wait do we you know we were just like you know what the hell with it wait and the second wave of covid happened all the cancellations happened so we made the right move finally everything's in some degree back to normal to where there's not all the rules and regulations and restrictions so we can kind of travel freely in the way we always have so we just kind of we kind of dug in waited for the nuclear fallout to leave and now we're resurfacing again (laughs) True to your name, uh, blooming it once again. Okay, right. so we're, lo- we're, we're looking. We're looking. I know you like that. I got a whole night full of them. We're we're going over two decades now of soil. Real street survivors, I would say. The band, uh, not a Skinner reference. Sorry, uh, but you you know, looking back now at the twenty years with the legacy that you guys have built, how do you see the rest of like how do you see the future going forward from here? I mean, we started in nineteen ninety, so. Or 1997. I'm sorry. I was gonna we say. Started, I was like, yeah, you was did? Wow. No. <laughs> I'm thinking of my other band. Uh, no, we started in uh, 1997. So this this year is 26 years we're celebrating of soil, and in that time, we've never taken a break. In fact, even you know, even though we didn't tour in the three years of the COVID thing, we you know wrote and record recorded uh, two albums back to back. One was a covers record, and the next one that's going to be coming out later is uh, 11 originals and stuff. So we never really, we've never stopped, so to speak. So there's never been a hiatus. There's never been a breakup. There's never been anything. So uh, me and Adam, our guitar player, are the two people that have stayed from day one up until now. You know, we've had members leave. We've had members come back, you know, things of that nature and stuff like that. But, you know, me and him have kept this legacy going for 26 years straight and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And there's a lot to be, you want to kick yourself in the face and be like, are you, are you that stupid? For doing so much? But we're here. We're still here. So, yeah, I think that perseverance is, is at the end of the day, I think perseverance is the most important element of any artistic endeavor, right? You just got to keep striving. And if you didn't, if you give up, if you throw in the towel at some point, it's like, well, what were you really in it for? You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, I mean, I always looked at it as there's so many bands that, when the going got tough, they just got going. They they broke up or they went on hiatus. And, you know, I always looked at it as, you know, when I was growing up, if I got into a band and I 
you know, gave all my time and effort and love to a band. I didn't want them to break up. I wanted to see them stick around for, you know, a long time. And there's people that have the soil logo logo tattooed all over their bodies. And it's like, you look at that and you're like, wow, you know, I mean, I don't even have a soil tattoo. And you look at people that, that have that, and it means that much to them. You, you want to keep it going, you know, almost not even for yourself at some point, but for, for the fans and the people that still want to listen to what you have to, to offer and things like that. So is that what you say? Kinda, to, is that what you say to them? Are you like, I don't even have a soil tattoo. I don't have any tattoos. You're like, wow. <laughs> I mean, to have somebody put your actual band or your lyrics or something like that on their bodies forever. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing. There's people that have said, you know, you've saved my life with your songs and stuff. And you know, that that's heavy stuff that, that's, you know, not to be taken lightly, especially for a band like us. We've always considered ourselves, you know, a band of the people. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we do. I mean, the major driving force behind this band is is the diehard fan base that even though we wanted to give up at times, they they've stood by us and picked us back up. And we've been through hell and back together. So we, we really feel a strong connection to the fans. So I I had just got listened to Throttle Junkies for the first time today, which is your that's like your is it that's your official debut album? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I thought it was pretty I'm, I'm good. Not, it's very very raw, very rough. It's I always call it kind of like I well since Motley Crue's my favorite band in the world, I always call it our our poor man's too fast for love. Oh yeah, it's like it's we you know. We're just I think the poor ourselves. man's too fast for love is too fast for love, but that's maybe that's just me. <laughs> I mean, case in point, but uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like it's a rough record. It's raw. It it's very you know, it's very innocent though. I mean, we were just trying to find ourselves, trying to figure out who we were as a band. You know, who we were playing together, gel as a band. So there's like a lot of, you know a lot of peaks and valleys on that record and just kind of adjustments and getting to know each other as well as our sound and everything. It wasn't really until scars that we honed in on who we were, where we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. So, well, even if throttle junkies is a bit rough, I will say it's one of the most major label bidding warist albums I've ever heard. It like, it like has that exact sound for 1999 where you could see a bunch of people jumping in and getting involved. Uh, what was that process like of actually choosing a label? It's crazy. In fact, I have a really cool story for you guys. Uh, so Throttle Junkies had come out on an independent label called MIA Records out of New York. And we started, that was when the whole new, right when the new metal movement started to really kick into high gear, Chicago being a major breeding ground for it. So we had, since we were already out there, we, we started to sell out shows and in, in uh, you know, thousand cap seaters and stuff around in our hometown and stuff and got a really big buzz going on. So we actually had uh, this guy, Larry Jacobson from Giant Records, which was part of Warner Brothers, uh, fly out and see us. And we met with him and he said, you know, he sat down, he goes, it was a wonderful set. He goes, I came out to sign a band from Chicago. He goes, it's either going to be Soil or it's going to be this band that I'm going to go see at their rehearsal space tomorrow called Disturbed. He goes, Disturbed quite isn't you know, at the level you guys are at yet, but they've got a lot of promise, but I really like you guys. And I want to talk to mm -hmm. the record label you're on now to see if they'd be open for a buyout. So he went, he, uh, we parted ways, said goodnight. He went and saw Disturbed the next day. And he actually called our record label and uh, put in an offer to sign Soil. The guy from the record label was real cocky. He said, I want a million dollars buyout wow. from Soil. 
fuck? And they said, yeah, they said, well, you know, it's going to take money to develop this band. If we give you a million dollars, it's going to severely cut into what we want to use to promote and develop this band. And the label just wouldn't budge. You're like, nope, you know, soil million bucks or no dice. So they said no dice and they signed Disturbed and the rest is history on that one, you know, and here and there we go. We have, you know, Disturbed, who I love, great guys, super good friends of ours. I think that they are an amazing band. They've done a lot of, you know, great things and they kind of can do no wrong in, in the realm of of what they do and how they do it. So, you know, God bless them for that. But we were that close to to taking uh, that spot. And who knows, we might have flopped and nothing would have happened and there might not be any disturbed and soil would have been broken up a year later, but uh, who knows? But anyway, we we retooled after that, that that uh, independent label went out of business. So we started writing songs and that's when the big bidding war happened. We, we came out with Halo, uh, a radio station in Orlando, Florida, picked up on it started spinning and it went out of control. Next thing you know, we're doing showcases for Warner Brothers, J Records, RCA, Electra, Roadrunner. I mean, you name it, every, Warner Brothers, everybody came to the table and we ultimately ended up sitting down with Clive Davis who had signed Bruce Springsteen and uh, Aerosmith and Pearl Jam and I mean, all these bands. And, you know, he's very convincing. He's like, I'm gonna make this band happen. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what we have to do. And we said, yes. and bam, they, they did just what they promised. They got us, you know, a gold record in the U.S., a silver record in the U.K. Got it, landed us the Ozzy Osbourne, Rob Zombie, Mudvayne soil tour, arenas, and we were off, you know. Because of all that, you know, we're still here today standing here, so. Okay, this just hit me like a sack of bricks. I did not notice this until right now when I clicked on your art, when I clicked on your album. Throttle Junkies was produced by Steve Albini? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? That's so that's wild. That's a part of the legacy, the Steve Albini legacy. Like I've always blown minds by being like Steve Albini produced Chevelle's first album, but I definitely wasn't ready for like Steve Albini produced Soil's first album. How did that connection come about? Well, we had some friend. We had a friend that that was in well with Steve Albini, and at the time he had done a, a Neurosis album, which we really liked. Neurosis. He had done a Bush record. He had done Nirvana and Neutero. Uh, I think he was just developing Chevelle at the time, you know, with some of their early stuff. So we're like, yeah, this this would be a great guy to go to. He's in Chicago and everything. And, and in his own right, Steve Albini is the perfect guy to go to if you know who you are and you know what your sound is supposed to be like. And, and you're very confident as a band because he pushes buttons. He doesn't really produce. So for us being a brand new band, we need, we solely desperately needed direction, which he didn't give us because that's not his style. And he had all the, the best, you know, equipment you could imagine, uh, a drum, a drum deck that was uh, on hydraulics that was suspended in the floor. He had these microphones that he had bought from Michael Jackson. And I mean, all this crazy stuff, but he, for our first record, he just was not the right guy. And that's why that, that record sounds so kind of raw and polished, uh, very, you know, I guess you could say uh, naive in some ways. And uh, it was the for us at the time, it was the wrong guy to go to. Now, if we went to Steve Albini, we'd have a marvelous time because, you know, we're set in our ways. We know what we sound like. We can dictate what we want. But back then, it just didn't work. And then after that is when we got with producer Johnny K, who was complete opposite. He was like, 
I mean, basically smacked a two by four over our head if we didn't do what he said. So that, we got the direction we needed and Johnny really helped us craft a, you know, the sound that we needed for soil and, and the direction we needed to go into. But yeah, it was a trip. He was a great guy and, you know, his studio was immaculate, but, you know, looking back, it was, it was the wrong choice at the time, but what are you going to do, you know? Well, you, you said something just now, though, that surprised me. Scars is a gold album in the U.S.? Yeah, U.S., yeah. When did that happen? Very recently. It was oh, it was it was hovering. Uh, it's one of those ones that crept. Like it came out and initially it did like three hundred thousand, and then just kind of tapered off. And then we went and did our second record, redefine. But as you get into the digital age and you get into all that, like literally within, I would say the past, I don't know, eight nine months, it, it kind of crept its way up to gold over the years. And we're, and we're talking, it came out in two thousand and one, so. What are we at? Yeah. 20, almost 22 years. Last nine so months. It, started my yeah. account 12 months ago. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> took, us, <soil>. yeah. <laughs> took us, uh, took us, uh, took us over two decades to get there, but it crept up there eventually. Kind, you need to kind start calling up, that, you start calling up Clive. Clive, where's my yeah, plaque? Where's my plaque? Resign us. <laughs> Come on, Clive. You yeah. did it. You did it, Clive. Took two decades, but you did it. Yeah, we finally did it. I mean, it was kind of like one of those things like, the first uh, Adelita's Way record and the first 10 years record and the, the two hail, the first two hailstorms, right? Hailstorm record, same thing. They kind of tapped out. They didn't quite make it, but in the digital age, it just kind of crept and crept and crept and over time just built up. So well, I what don't I think feel is, like we is, really earned it, but eventually, you know, it got there. What, what I think is really curious about the, 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 the record label industry especially the metal, the new metal scene in 2001 is you had bands that were either getting signed and dropped basically for fun. And then every once in a while you'd have a new metal band that actually got signed and we had a fucking shitload of money thrown into it to try to break. And now you were one of the bands that was like really well financed, right? Oh, big time. I mean, this, the sky was the limit. I mean, it was total excess. One of the last, one of the last of the big record deals where like you'd come into the airport and they'd have a, wi a limo waiting for you to pick you up at it, that type of stuff. I mean, it, the, the amount of money that was just thrown at us and in some, in some ways just thrown out the window and wasted on things. I mean, I would see these lunch bills with going out for people with the label and they're in the thousands of dollars and stuff like that. On I mean, your, on your account, on your account. Yeah, it was somewhat recoupable. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's a lot of white yeah. I mean, well, nowadays you'd be lucky to get White Castle from a record label. <laughs> Back then it was like, you know, trays of lobster tails and, you know, uh, filet mignon and stuff like that. I mean, it was it was the last of the big pushes for excess, you know, and, and then the, we and were two, smack dab in the thick of it. And the two videos, very shiny, very like super MTV ready videos, both probably cost what, like around 300, probably more than more than that, like 200, 300 K. Oh, you're right in there. The Halo video. We uh walked into it and they had an airplane hanger that we walked into and of they course because of course they did yeah, of course they had built they had built a house in the airplane hangar uh for the video and all the dirt and all that stuff in the video it was literally surgical dirt and they had pallets of it and i'm you know me i'm i'm real inquisitive so i was looking at the picking up the bricks of dirt and stuff and it said 75 dollars per brick on there and there had to be three, 400 of these bricks of dirt that were just sitting on pallets. And the, where we were walking on the walls, 
that wasn't camera tricks. We were walking on the walls. They had professional rock climbers uh, basically teach me and our singer Ryan for a quick two-hour class on how to go in a harness, how to jump up with a forklift picking you up and do stunts and things like that. It was, it was crazy. And you're really close on the budget. It was uh, 425,000 for that video. How do you, and how do you know that? I'm, I'm curious as to how the numbers made it to you. I'm a numbers like, cause guy. Because at, <laughs> at the end of the ride, because at the end of the ride, Jay's, Jay Records accountants were like, and you owe us this. Yeah, 90% of it. <laughs> yeah, here you go. You did not I mean, recoup. Yeah, we that had was, to pay for 90% of that. So that was, it was, that a, was mini- a, I, I had read an interview with um, the lead singer of Trust Company. Uh, his name's escaped me right now. My bad. But he was in a similar situation where he got a they they got signed and had a bunch of money poured into their into their coffers for their production right away. And he talks about how once that ride came to an end and the label dropped them after their second record, it was like the the label kind of was like, you didn't think all that was free, right? Like <laughs> you you owe us that. And 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 he's like, in retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have had the tour bus on the first tour but i think it always it seems to always get sorted out in in like a breach of contract or something like there's no way they're garnishing your wages all these years later no i mean it's not like they sit there and tell you okay well you have to write us a check it's just you just stay in unrecoup mode for however long you know and it and it just keeps swirling swirling around and around and you know record deals back then they were the you know sign your life away type deals you know it's kind of Kind of like what happened with the Goo Goo Dolls when that song name popped and they had sold, you know, went platinum on the record and they were still unrecouped and weren't making a dime. They had to, you know, they went through the legal battle, but, you know, they signed the contract and it was uh, it was one of those old school contracts. You know, you, you kind of but when you're when you're nobodies and stuff like that and you're looking for a shot, you know, you'll pretty much sign anything. And I don't regret a single thing of that i'd if i had if i had it to do again maybe i'd say hey instead of spending four hundred twenty-five thousand, can we get that down to 250 but i you do know, we need the was... surgical dirt clive yeah, do we do need we... the surgical dirt there's there's and corners the... to be cut here go out front dig dig a fucking hole there's got to be another way or the what? airplane hangar couldn't we just run out a warehouse or something you know so gotta be but... something put the lobster <laughs> down we're all gonna make the d's <laughs> but well, you know i, I don't I don't regret a second of it. It's I'm a big numbers guy, especially when it comes to the recording industry, because like, yeah. So I, okay. So I read this article. I, I dug up this article. It was, uh, in Kerrang magazine about how like new metal was dead. It was from 2002, two, 2002, I believe. And it talks about how the, how the latest corn album at the time, which was untouchables had sold a disappointing 1.2 million copies, which is <laughs> yeah. like, which is like, you were never, going to read that headline ever again like that oh, is, is fucking insane to be to sell to go platinum and then some and it's just like we're fucked what are we gonna do so <laughs> for for an album like scars to do I, I think the year of right 2001 it did like two 250,000 by the end of the year yeah it was like by the by the time the whole cycle was over it was it was pushing about 300,000 so uh you know it was still respectable enough for them to go into another record with us. And that's when we did the redefine record. But, uh, you know, when we sat down with J records, they're like, well, we're expecting to sell 2 million of this. And it it didn't quite do that. But, uh, 
the it didn't help that the record came out on 9-11 of 2001 either. Truly, uh, 9-11, truly the 9-11 of the new metal scene, for sure. We we It's so many bits, like the whole, it comes up every fucking episode. We always end up talking about 9-11. Although on this episode, it really deserves to come up. This is definitely one episode in which this does come up. So for everyone that does not know, the big, shiny, J Records financed de- uh, debut, not debut, I'm sophomore album from the band Soil comes out on September 11th. 2001 which something else happened that day oh we, we were in the air that day oh great oh, <laughs> great yeah. everybody just, everybody just thought you we wanted. were dead yeah I mean, oh, we, fuck. we uh the night the day before scars came out we uh because we we blew up on that radio station in orlando wjrr so we did a sold out show at the house of blues the night before scars came out and uh there was a record store there selling uh, the album in advance and we did like 2000 copies of the record at that show alone sold out the house of blues we were coming home to do a sold out show at the metro in chicago which is 1200 and uh we were flying home that morning right right as we right as our plane landed the second the second plane uh had hit everybody thought because they had said that one of the planes had come from florida they didn't really know what was going on uh they thought that the second plane was ours and none of the none of our cell phones were working. We landed. The National Guard surrounds the plane. Uh, there's SWAT teams. We're, we're watching out the window. SWAT teams are running out alongside the plane. The National Guard, the whole nine yards. Our our cell phones. We can't get them to work because all the towers, the cell phone towers were clogged. You know, we had the Nokia's at the time, uh, the brick cell phones, and everybody thought that it was us. By the time we finally got a hold of like relatives and friends, people were in tears, thinking that. Our plane might have been the second one that hit or, you know, crashed or did something. So it was something uh, in in, you know, in respect to those, you know, that lost their lives in 9-11 and what happened. We, you know, canceled the show that night, the sold out show and uh, kind of laid low for a little bit before we picked back up. And then we had dates with Nickelback that we them, you know, Nickelback and us decided, well, let's go out and, you know not let this hold us back and we went out and started playing again but man it was it was something i walked into target to buy our album that day september 11th nobody was in target one person was working behind the counter and i go up to the rack new releases with a big picture of soil and there was about 100 copies sitting on the rack and there was nobody in the store so i bought four of them and <laughs> one one copy that. of one copy of scars please yeah, exactly. It was it was like a, you know, I, I hate the. I mean, it, it's it's kind of selfish of me even to to be like, "Woe is me," about our album because of what happened. You know, it was devastating to the nation and the people that it happened to, and and all that. But as a musician, if I if I can just be a little selfish, it, it was like a big wah 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 type thing. And a lot uh, of the bands of the era probably feel the same way. Yeah, all of I mean, them. If, if only that record had come out three months beforehand, because we had such a buzz at the time, maybe we could have squeaked the gold in three months <laughs> or platinum, and then it could have died out, kind of like, you know, uh, what yeah. happened with Drowning Pool, you know, when they yanked bodies off the the air when uh, when nine eleven happened, but they had already gone platinum because they had the they had the record out a few months before. If, if only we would have had a couple month lead time, we might have might have had a whole it, different Clive. Scene. Clive. Yep. 
Yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone really, every heavy band suffered because of 9-11 except for P.O.D. P.O.D. Oh, yeah. were the only ones that benefited incredibly. They'd be the only, they're like the only band we talked to that are like, that are like, if I can be selfish, 9-11 worked out really well for us. It was a great. Oh, that's what Clear Channel wanted was the uplifting music. Yeah, it was like, they're like, we yeah. were in the right place at the right time. Respect to the, respect to all the, respect to the nation. Yeah. But that worked out great for us. I don't think I don't think they would say that, but I, I think that it did. I think that it, oh, did. it absolutely did. That 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 made that band. I mean, that uh, they they were they were actually on the verge of getting dropped because the 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 person that mixed their record did the radio mix of Halo. And he's like, I just got done mixing the P.O.D. record. And we all have our fingers crossed on this one because they've got one shot left uh, or, you know, they may really? be, they may no be getting dropped. I thought I thought the fundamental elements of Southtown did pretty good. I think that was another band too that was like really well financed from the, yeah, from I mean, the get-go. I love that band. I, I think they're awesome. But they they had a lot of money pumped into them that that they quite didn't recoup yeah. until that set until that satellite record came out. Man, they just launched like Man, a skyrocket. That whole era to me is so fascinating, like especially 90. 9 2000 2001 where you could be a heavy band making pretty uncompromisingly heavy music and someone would come along and be like here is a million dollars because like that the now it is like here's a hundred dollars and i'm gonna want every penny of that back by the end of the week or i'm gonna fucking come for you like it's not it's not like the like at the time it was i fuck this metaphor sucks it was like the pentagon at the time where like money would just go into the bands and you'd lose track of it like there'd be no auditing or anything it would just be you know next thing you know you're ordering surgical dirt just there's just money all over the place you know yeah surgical dirt and and uh thousand dollar uh pairs of pants that you wore in the video and they let you take home <laughs> oh man i, want to I sold them I, pants? Sold, I sold them on ebay i took fuck. the pants I took the pants and it, it had a price tag. It said, uh, was a thousand dollars on sale, 850 the tag. And they Bargain. said, you guys can keep, you guys can keep all those clothes. And I actually sold those pants on eBay later for like 700 bucks uh, score. <laughs> and, and you had to send that in a check to J records. You're like, you're like, yes, we are recouping baby. Well, if Clive is listening to this, maybe he'll send me an email He's asking for like, it back. Hey. Here's a, good <laughs> We're going to block him before this comes out. Don't worry. I'll, blo- I'll, I'll, okay, I'll make sure to block him first. Now, something fun did happen, though, which is that something kind of... Un- I- I'm interested if this was unexpected for you guys. Scars and Halo not setting the United States ablaze, but you did end up with a foothold in the UK. Yeah, it was gigantic. And it was wow. instant. How did that happen? You know, I don't know. The The crazy thing was, is, you know, Scars had come out. It met it met with some great success in the States off off the bat, you know, minus 9-11 happening. But we went over there uh, in January of 2002 to do uh, two days of press and a photo shoot and play a free, sh- like a free incognito show at this uh, club in London. We get there. We're doing press left and right, do this photo shoot. We're like, huh, is anybody going to be at this show? We show up. There's a line around the block. Uh, one girl shows up. I already had the soil logo tattooed on her on her thigh, uh, which she later filled in with all of our faces over the years. Uh, 
And it was just instantaneously just crazy over there. I mean, we just, it was like an overnight sensation. I don't know why, I don't know how, and it just never stopped. I mean, we still can go over to the UK and headline thousand to 2000 seaters, depending on what city it is and pack them or sell them out ourselves every time. And it, it's just one of those things where the UK was just so good to us and they, they just understood what we did. Huh. It, was, well, it wasn't one. We just talked to a UK artist last night uh, by the name of Kid Bookie, and it according it the scene never really died over there. Yeah, new metal, new metal stuck around for longer. But I would be more interested to talk to to Beezer about it because I could see that being like I could see like Halo being something Kerrang magazine would have got behind and, and had in rotation. I think Kerrang TV was around by that point. But it was actually Metal Hammer that broke us out. They. They had us on the cover of everything. Uh, there's this other guy, which I need to give a huge shout out. His name's David Gulvin. He used to work for BMG, and then he was with Century Media for a while. But he was behind the band Lock, Stock, and Barrel and just believed in us and went to bat for us every step of the way. And uh, Metal Hammer really got behind the band back then as well. And it was just, you know, just a combination of just the, just, I don't know, just the perfect storm. I, I still can't put a foothold on why, how, whatever, but uh, it was uh, it was a great time. I mean, we would literally come off the airplane and go to get on the tour bus, and there'd be people lined up, like crying and stuff. I mean, it, it's surreal. They don't what? do that anymore, mind you, but the they did back did, then. How the hell did that happen? I really want. I'm really I, curious as to how that happened. I don't know, you know, and but there'd be people waiting at our hotel, you know, with with stuff and. I mean, even Ed Sheeran, the the UK pop star, he's in many interviews said that Soil was one of the bands that he grew up on and influenced them. And really? he's just like, yeah, he said it in quite, he said it in uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Oh my uh, that, God. That Soil and. So it's your it fault. Corn. You yeah. did this. We did. Son soil of a bitch. And Corn, <laughs> too. He mentioned Corn, too. So you oh, can blame, uh, you can blame both of us. <laughs> For corrupting the minds of Ed Sheeran. I mean, so and, and I, I, I think it's interesting that you say scars did end up around the 300K mark eventually because it did not chart particularly well. Uh, no, I mean, it it's it, it kept in the billboard for a while. It was like a like a steady thing. And Halo wasn't exactly the biggest radio single either as far as charting. Uh, you know, it, it landed in, I think. 20 somewhere 21 20 some yeah 22. there you go and uh, i mean our biggest single to date was read a song called redefine but for some reason it, it it's just a stalemate and you can go into any uk after hours club and they still play halo like clockwork i mean there's stations across the united states that still have halo in their regular rotation that they still play and stuff like I that do. like j and jjo and in, in uh madison wisconsin is always playing that and Will Rock and JRR in Orlando. So, I mean, there's, like I said, Soil is one of those, you know, bands for the fans. We never got huge or quadruple platinum or, ever, or anything, but our, our diehard bases, they're diehards, you know, and they, they never left. I will say this about Scars. It is one of the best sounding new metal albums I've ever heard. It is like oh, the sound you. of that is fucking huge. Like it has some of the most like meaty snares and the biggest fucking guitars like and I really like that about that era of rock music. I like when the heavy music albums sound like money 
Like it sounds like it was like, don't spare any expense. I want this to be this, the best sounding album you can get. Uh, and Johnny K was the producer of that. And what was like the driving engine though behind the sound? Because around that time, rock music was taking a turn for the more trebly. Things were starting to get a little bit more high pitched to fit better on TV and on radio. Well, oddly enough, is we were it, it all had to do mainly with the tuning and uh like throttle junkies is in in c tuning and our singer ryan has a very deep voice it comes from his chest and he was he was like man he's like i really have to kind of struggle sometimes to hit some of the notes on on what we're doing so we're like well let's take the c tuning and drop uh the basically the e string down to a sharp and it was it was kind of a sludgier type tune or tuning. We we honestly should have been playing seven string guitars on a five string bass. But what we did is we just dropped that that string down. And between Ryan's very like guff, uh, barrel chested voice and that drop tuning that we used, it really gave for like a heavy sound while we still, you know, didn't make it super muddy. There were still a lot of things to where we we kept it clean. So we we discovered that, and then Johnny K, who produced that record and kind of helped develop us, honed in on that, and he really slicked it up, and and went with that. And then that that record was actually mixed by Kevin Shirley, and uh, Johnny K was there along with us too. So we kind of had a vision for it, but Kevin Shirley really was able to lend those monstrous tones to it, to where it really you know came out sonically. And I guess maybe that's why. Me personally, I'm so hard on that Throttle Junkies record because it just doesn't, it has a very indie production to it. It doesn't have that big major label rock sound. And I love that major label rock sound. In fact, people can bag on Nickelback and make fun of them all they want, but you put on Nickelback all the right reasons, that record, or Shine Down Sound of Madness. And those are two of the most perfectly mixed records sonically that I've ever heard in my life. We don't really make fun of Nickelback around here, do we? Do we, folks? I don't think we've actually said anything negative about them on this show yet. We might be the only new little podcast that hasn't. <laughs> There's no reason to. They do what they do. People dig it and they buy the albums. Who cares? No, I think they kind of, I'm not, a, I can't say I'm a big fan. I, I can't say I'm a fan. And, but I definitely, when they were, I think what they do well, they do very well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I am like over that. I don't, I'm not like here to pick them apart. That's for sure. Uh, so with the next record though, with redefine, you guys actually got like a little bigger in the UK, like the song redefine outcharted halo, like made it into like the top 70, like you're at 64. Uh, do you remember yeah. feeling, do you remember, and, and it did better in the U S too than the other singles had, uh, do you remember feeling like things had been picking up now, now that there wasn't another terrorist attack on your release day? <laughs> Boy, that would have been I something. I mean, at that point, you know, we were firing on all cylinders. We we had, you know, really taken time to write that second record. Uh, it wasn't really a soft. We weren't into that sophomore slump because uh, Scars was basically our sophomore yeah, record. Yeah. Uh, so Redefine was, you know, our third record. So we kind of avoided the sophomore slump with that one. We, you know, we really were firing on all cylinders. We went back to Johnny K. We had Randy Staub mix it, who was bob bob rock's right hand man so the mix on that record is just so good i mean that record still to this day i i you know i'll put that record up against any record and that thing still sounds great today and it's and it's an old record and then we uh 
we switched management companies. We went to the firm and our manager was Rob McDermott, who had Lincoln Park stained in hell yeah, and us. <laughs> so we were, we had a huge management company. The label was fully behind it. They're like, you know, the first record got kind of shunned by 9-11 and it's not your fault. And we're going to, you know, we're not going to miss a beat. We're going to go full throttle. We're not going to kind of sit back and see what it does. They They jumped in with both feet. They didn't do that. Oh, well, you know, the first one didn't go double platinum. So we're going to kind of see what this one did. No, they said, you know, we can't, we blame it on the 9-11 incident and we're going to, you know, we don't, we're not up against that this time. So let's jump in. And uh, they did. And, you know, the radio campaign was fantastic on that record. Uh, we got all the, all these big tours again. You know, we, we played main stage in the UK with Lincoln Park. We had, we went out with Stain. We did all this great stuff. I mean, we, we were firing on all cylinders with that. And uh, where when we were at the end of that record cycle, where everything went awry, is that's when the major labels started absorbing each other. And BMG, who was J Records distributor, got bought out by Sony. And it was, uh, they combined it, and they call it Sony BMG. And once that happened, they just started going through everything and going through all the numbers. At that point, it wasn't a belief game. It was a numbers game. And with all the money that they had put into us and, and everything. And at that point, you know, we had had a silver record in the UK, but we weren't gold in the United States yet. Redefined didn't outsell stars. They're like, all right, you know, you put a lot of, you put millions and millions into this band. They should at least have a, have a platinum record on, on the rack and stuff by then. And we just got, we got squeezed out by the merger and it was, it was disappointing because we were, we were in the middle of a huge, you know, tour and uh, we got a phone call and they're just like, well, you know, we've done all we can, but the merger, the powers that be, they're squeezing us out and they're going to call it the RCA music group. They're merging J records in with RCA and Sony and BMG are merging. And we just got squeezed out with the whole thing. So (laughs) another soil. 9-11 9-11 the first time and a merger the second time. So two big slaps across the face. But Before we move on from that era, though, do any of my co-hosts have questions for this this period? For this era specifically, not quite. Yeah, the, uh, we, we covered that pretty well. And I, uh, yeah, the, the so, merger thing in particular, that's a, that's a hard blow. I just want to say I'm sorry that happened. Yes, yeah, so are we. <laughs> 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 but hey, it's life. You know, it, we... Like I said, we were lucky enough to get two major label records out, and man, we enjoyed every single second of it, even the even the surgical dirt. And you probably are bigger in the UK than Disturbed is. I don't know about that's that. Gotta I mean, count Disturbed, for some, that's got to count for something. Disturbed's pretty big everywhere. I mean, I, I I have nothing but respect and love for that band. I mean, they've been very well calculated and done some great things in their career. I I think I think they're their masterminds at as far as like what they do and how they do it. So I, I have nothing bad to say. I, I, they, they deserve to get that deal at the time, you know, when, when giant records was there, you know, uh, we probably, we, if we would have got it, who knows, maybe we would have flopped and disturbed never would have been, but like I said earlier, but who knows, but things happen the way they did. And there we are moving on from that though, from that period, there must've been, some kind of temptation to throw in the towel. Oh, we, it was a major one because that's when we got hit with 
the next big blow of our, well, two big blows to our career. Ryan, our singer, had uh, gotten himself into some, a mass amount of debt and kind of burnt out on the whole music business and decided to uh, retire <laughs> from music. Called us up and said, you know, I, I'm done. This has been this this last year of touring has taken its toll on myself and my family, and I just got nothing left in the gas tank to do it. And we don't have a record deal right now, and I'm just I'm over it. So we almost did throw in the towel. We were like, well, what do we do? You know, do we? What we should have done in hindsight is tell Ryan, listen, why don't we all just take a year off? Let's let's. Let's turn the let's turn the ignition off. Park the car in the garage. Let a year go by. Let's all, you know, retool, get a new deal in place. Kind of breathe for a minute. But we were such a machine at that time. We felt that if we didn't get another deal and get a new record out right away, that we'd be forgotten about and uh, we'd be just thrown by the wayside. And we wouldn't mean anything anymore. So when Ryan, you know, inevitably said that there was no gas left in his tank and you know he wanted to be with his family instead of us taking a break we decided just to keep forging on so we found a new singer uh a guy by the name of aj who was recommended to us by wayne static we got a new record deal by a company called drt and at the time they were picking up all like the new metal bands they they grabbed uh american head charge they grabbed uh boy the name eludes me uh i forget what the other band was called and uh, they had they grabbed they had Clutch, which is not a new metal band by any means, but they had Clutch. They grabbed Power Man Five Thousand. Uh, they had them. I, Blindside. That's it. Blindside. That's the one. You got it. You must be. You must be looking at Wikipedia like crazy or something. No, 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 no. I, I, oh. I, I just, just got all. It's got that all in my head. Yeah, I was. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was cheating. I was cheating. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so, I mean, it seemed like a good thing. And they offered us a, a good amount of money, you know, for an independent. And, you know, they did do a good job with it. And, you know, we still had the management company and we put out a we put out a, a record called True Self, which I think was a, a good record for the time. And, you know, we got on all great tours. We did a worldwide tour of Stained. You know, we did all arenas in the States and big theaters in Europe and the UK was Stained. And we went out with 10 years. We went out with Seven Dust. We went out with uh mushroom head we went out with uh boy typo negative we went out did some lincoln park dates we were on all the festivals so i mean we really kept on going and that record sold respectable amount of records but the problem was is new metal started to get a bad taste in everybody's mouth all the new bands that were coming out like this band like grade eight and cinder and uh rumble fish yep sinistar Oh all my these God, I can't like, believe you knew Rumblefish. <laughs> yep. All these bands, a lot of them got shelled because they put out singles and, you know, they it were getting shelled. Terribly. Up so and, bad. Uh, yeah. It was like Ozfest, a good, it was not a good era. Yeah. Like Ozfest that year was like the last, that was like the last of the new metal Ozfest. And everybody was, instead of being on buses, they were all carting around in 15 passenger vans and RVs. It literally looked like, like a, like, I don't know, a bunch of hippies going to the Grateful Dead, like a like a gypsy caravan carting around on Ozfest. And that is when blue jeans came back in style and the white belts. <laughs> it's over. And that it's just, over. it was over. It was over. I'm like, dead. I'm like, 
I am not wearing a white belt. I don't give a crap how cool it is. I'm not putting on a white belt. And I did put on some blue jeans, but you know, I, the white I had belt. to do something. Can't you yeah. can't you can't wear thousand dollar pants forever? Did Ryan yeah. go over to Drowning Pool around this time? Yeah, that's when. Uh, well, Drowning Pool tried to recruit him when Dave Williams died, and uh, Ryan denied it the first time because you know we had soil kicking and and going and stuff. So after after Ryan, yeah, that's soil, weird. They would try to poach him in two thousand and one. Like you're, yeah, they, they is, that William, is that when Dave Williams? Is that when Dave Williams died? Uh, two thousand and two. I was with, I was with him two nights before he passed away, and we did a shot of Crown Royal and two Coors Lights together, and we said, "Listen, after Ozfest, we're both going out to write our new records. Let's let's uh, let's do Drowning Pool, Soil, bring the guys from El Nino with, and let's do the Anywhere There's an Electricity, Anywhere There's Electricity tour." And I hugged Dave Williams, and he hugged me. I said, "I love you, bro." He goes, "I love you too." And two days later, he was he was you know, found dead. So to digress back to that, but anyway, you know, drowning pool was in disarray and they were, they were kind of looking at, you know, whoever they could find. They had asked Rob Flynn from machine head. I'm sure you guys know all the story, but no, I uh, didn't they, know they, they asked they, Rob uh, Flynn. Yeah. They asked a bunch of people, you know, Ryan included, cause they, they had, you know, power to them. They, they were sort of casting the net out, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they were soil fans and they really liked what we did. So I, I can't fault them for that. You know, but uh, anyway, Ryan, you know, said no, we were, we were still working on the redefine record at that time and stuff. But, you know, after we got uh, got soil retooled when Ryan quit, you know, I don't know, maybe four months, five months after that, he uh, got the itch again and Johnny pulled fired their their second singer and and Ryan went over to there and heard a little bit of the angry girlfriend bit from our camp and, uh, you know some member you know a member that isn't with us anymore kind of fueled a lot of that fire well most of it and uh caused a lot of damage which i don't really want to go down that path because mike you know since john uh, mitch tj uh, just sitting here just sitting here on wikipedia i could just name them all no you got to go back to the original lineup no 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 no, no. i i I don't if you don't want to if you don't want to get into it if you don't want to get into it we're not getting into it but it's 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 not worth it. it 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 happened you know, 15 some odd years ago, maybe even more 2006. We're talking about 2005. I, I, I got to say, AJ, great voice. He was a solid member. The, the The problem was, is I, you know, again, with the Motley Crue comparisons, you guys are probably going to slap me across the face for it. But that was our, that was our John Karabi album, you know, True Self. It, it sounded great. It had a great, it had a great gruff to it. It had a lot of anger. It had a lot of heaviness to it. but it was not really quite soil. Ryan's voice is soil, just kind of like how Vince Neal's voice is Motley Crue, love it or hate it. You know, we we put out our Karabi record, which I, I'm proud of that record. I think True Self was a great record and it, it got a great response, but it just quite wasn't, it just, just wasn't quite soil. But, and then Ryan rejoins in 2012? 2011. Actually, 2011 yeah. 2011 okay what brings him back to the fold uh ryan was on a seven-year stretch he was with soil for seven years left he was with drowning pool for seven years left uh we at the time uh scars was getting re-released through uh sony as a special uh, uh the extended version with with some tracks 
with a Japanese bonus track and a track that never had been released before. And we were kicking around. Well, uh, AJ had quit along with our drummer. And me and Adam were the, again, once again, the, the two guys left in the band holding it up. And we're like, well, what do we do now? Do we break up? And we had started talking to Ryan again because uh, his time with Drowning Pool, they, they weren't getting along. And we said, hey, we don't want you to quit Drowning Pool, but what if we did a Scars 10th anniversary tour because it was 10 years uh, that Scars had been out. So we decided to do a co-headline tour in the UK with Puddle of Mud and bring Ryan back. And we brought, since we didn't have a drummer either, we brought John Wasaki from Stain. He had, he had left Stain. So not only did we get Ryan back, but we brought in John Wasaki from oh, Stain. He got fired from Stain. He quit, actually. Really? Yeah, he really did. He didn't get fired from Stain. He, he quit, uh, which was a crazy enough thing. <laughs> oh, I've seen, no, I've seen the, I've seen the self-titled documentary. I know why he quit. I'd have quit. God in yeah. heaven, I'd have quit. Yeah, I would was, love to join seen- Stain so I could quit. You what? <laughs> I would I would join Stain just like a quit. Have you seen the self-titled? They're like making of self-titled documentary. Oh, it's 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 hard to watch. Fuck it's hard to watch. Brutal. Oh it's my very god. Brutal. And they're just when beating, they- and they're just like on his ass the whole time. It is like one of the most miserable music documentaries you'll ever see. It like it like ends like the the grand finale is it being like John Wasaki left the band. Credits. It's like yeah. it's like really vicious. It's it's an it was interesting br- watch. It's a brutal one. I, I watched it once. I wouldn't watch it again. It made me cringe so bad. It was yeah. it was a brutal watch. And but you know, we got John in and man, he was amazing in soil. He he whipped the horse's ass. I mean, he was a great. So I mean, once again, we were firing on all cylinders. We did a sold out UK tour with Puddle of Mud, 10th anniversary, Ryan's back. We got the drummer of Stain. Uh the uh I mean, it was just insane. I mean, we literally back with that we were probably at our highest point of the band ever we were we were selling out everything we did headlining i mean it was probably the biggest point of the band yeah and, especially uh, because puddle of mud is another band that was weirdly big in the uk yeah very big they had a gold record in the uk and we did a co-headlining tour we sold out across the board we were flip-flopping each night and man that was and it was just reinvigorated and we sat down with ryan we aired out all the stuff that had happened before in the past that we didn't like we reinvigorated the band we made sure that moving forward that if we were ever bothered by anything we were going to talk about it and you know here we are 2023 you know we're going on 12 years with him back in the band he he got rid of he ditched his seven year uh i was gonna life. say i was yeah. gonna say i was like counting in my head i was like okay so but didn't yeah, didn't you like didn't he end up back in drowning pool for a time uh, he just uh, Johnny Poole lost their fifth singer. I think they did. It, we it interviewed them. Uh, that was the first interview I did with any of new metal band after I got laid off. So yeah, I thought it they happened getting, a month. I, they seem to be getting along a, in the interview. Yeah, it happened a month ago. They they lost their singer, and they were gonna they were gonna go as a three piece, and they said, "Well, I don't know how well that's gonna be. We can't go another singer deep." So they're like, "Well." What if we asked Ryan to do both bands? And instead of, you know, instead of trying to poach him from us or start bringing back, you know, uh, no pun intended scars of the past, we actually all sat down and we said, hey, 
both bands aren't going like we used to. We're not, we're not out on the road nine months out of the year, like each band used to be. We're not going to play a tug of war. Ryan, you know, uh, bless his heart is a musician. That's all he does. He doesn't have any sort of other jobs that he does anything else. He's a musician. That's what he does. And, uh, drowning pool doesn't work a hell of a lot. Soil doesn't work a hell of a lot. We pick and choose. We do, you know, things that make sense. We'll go to Europe once a year. We'll do festivals. We'll do, you know, the bigger paying gigs. And it's, it's one of the luxuries we've been able to allot ourselves in both soil and drowning pools. So we're like, you know what? Ryan wants to work. He wants to get out there. He wants to tour more. He wants to do more things. Well, instead of him doing it half the time with one band, he can do it full time between both. And we'll just talk about our schedules and, and Busy make guy, sure huh? we work them out. Yeah. Have so, you ever so thought? Far, you, I feel like I feel like all of Drowning Pool and Soil should just shuffle members every once in a while. You guys should all just exchange. Everyone's we'll do bass, guitar. You know. We we probably could at this point. I mean, there is talk about us uh, doing, you know, touring together. I to was waiting for that. that Ryan Ryan is yeah. really gonna have it out for that tour, huh? Yeah, I mean, right now Ryan's kind of getting his feet wet back in uh, drowning pool and stuff, so the confidence level to do two shows a night, two sets a night, quite isn't there. But you know, both bands are open to it, and it would be a pretty cool bill. You know, uh, yeah. Johnny Pool is a bigger band than Soil in the U.S., so they'd headline here, and we're a bigger band in the U.K., so we'd headline there. We could, you know, do the entire world together, and you know, who's ever bigger in whatever market headlines, and you know, we share some stuff, share a singer, and you know, Ryan Ryan could double dip and get paid twice. It would be a great thing for him. Just come to L.A., man. I don't know why I I keep asking you guys to come to L.A. It's the same thing when I got off with Drowning Pool. I'm like, are you guys ever going to play L.A.? They're like. They're like, we sure. did. They're like, sure. When did you play LA? When did you play LA? Uh, the last, the last soil run we did, which was 2020, we played the Whiskey A Go Go. It was February. Well, uh, I we wasn't did... smart enough to know that you guys were great at that time. I would know now. <laughs> I would not make that mistake now. In in your defense, we've been on hiatus, well, on a touring hiatus. That is not a band hiatus, but a touring hiatus for three years. So, in true soil fashion, because we never do anything the easy way, our first gigs back are going to be in a week in australia <laughs> our, of course, our, course. Our, first sh- our first shows after three years are going to are going to be smack dab in melbourne australia <laughs> you're going to get off the plane they're going to be like they're going to be like covid's back sorry yeah, sorry gonna, guys you get back on like, the plane get back on the plane like, yeah later <laughs> Fuck. be the next thing uh don't say that <laughs> sorry. it'll probably happen oh. sorry so have you guys noticed though, with new metal being back, have you guys noticed a bit of a warmer reception to any of your shows late? Or okay, you've been playing shows. Come on, man, podcast host. I know, uh, but have you guys been sort of noticing some more interest in your catalog? I mean, you went gold. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of attest it to that because people are rediscovering new metal, you know, and it's, it's popping back. Uh, and the crazy thing about soil is when you when when you reach twenty six years. When we started out, we had all these kids that were into us. You know, they're 18, 19 years old, you know, in the early 20s. Then, you know, midway through our career, those kids grew up and started having kids of their own. And now we're at the point to where their kids are having kids. So they've got grandkids listening to it. So soil is actually spanning three decades. So we've got three decades of people that are that are listening to our catalog, discovering our catalog. So not only do we have 
the original fan base that's mostly stayed there and then their kids that have come we got these grandkids that are you know nine ten years old at this point listening to soil and they're we're having three generations of people come into our shows and rediscovering soil and listening to things buying the records and you know covid as crazy as it may sound a lot of people built up their record collections like oh shoot you know i i didn't know i you know i'm gonna listen to some music i didn't i'm gonna rediscover it oh wow i didn't know you know soil had three more records out that since the time i stopped listening to them and they went and bought them and stuff so it's like for music a lot of catalog went up and a lot of people's you know a lot of bands started that were close started squeaking up to like gold platinum status things like that to where they were like right on the cusp of it and it kind of set kind of set it over so we can thank think, covid for that i also think being in it for the long haul like a lot of new metal bands are because like all of the biggest new metal bands like almost without exception kept going like like new metal more than I feel like it more than any other genre, new metal bands will replace like the lead singer. Uh, and I think that when you're slugging it out, especially through like the real low tide years of like 06, 09, maybe it doesn't feel like it, but you are still picking up new fans, right? We were. I mean, right. amazing as crazy as it sounds. I mean, there there are people that like the AJ era of soil better than the the Ryan one and, and vice versa. I you know, there's a bigger base for the Ryan era soil because, you know, Scars was the pinnacle of our career and the that go-to record. But, you know, there's there's people that still, you know, come to us and said, hey, are you ever going to do songs off the True Self or Picture Perfect records? And we have. And Ryan's been a really good sport about it. We we did a couple and they went over great. Hearing Hearing Ryan's voice on some of those songs, I'm like, holy crap, maybe we should go back in and re-record all those songs with Ryan singing yeah. on them and see what would happen with that. But that's probably taken a little too far. But but when you uh, but it's also a matter of like when you showed up uh in 2001, it was so easy to take a band like yours for granted because it was just like, oh, another new metal band. Oh my God. Whereas now like when you look around today, it's like it's like I wish bands like that were more common. So you can go back. So people will revisit 20 years and like younger people too, people like in their 20s or early 20s even will revisit the sound of albums like like Scars and be like, what the fuck? Why don't we hear more of this? You know, because because even that sound as expensive as that album may have been, it was still a lot of microphones in rooms. You know, it was there was like a lot of energy involved in that. It wasn't very computerized. Oh, yeah, everything. I mean, uh, those records were still done with Pro Tools, but we still used two, a two inch tape machine as like a backup in this and the use as saturation and warmth and stuff throughout that you know and, and the mixing you know and stuff it, the pro tool it wasn't like the pro tools of today where you mix and cut and paste choruses it was like you played all the way through it and if you needed pro tools to maybe clean up a note or two you'd use it as like a tool literally right. what it was meant to be pro tools not pro crutch or pro let's make an album out of playing at one time you know yeah do my co-hosts have anything insightful to add i don't know about adding but i wanted to ask because historically speaking a lot of new metal bands have had a lot of trouble accepting the term new metal but you seem to be embracing it pretty easily like you came on a podcast called the new metal agenda you would never like deny soil as a new metal band 
I mean, the thing is, is we've never considered ourselves a new metal band. We yeah, we came out, we came is. out, we it's came out ultimate, during. That's the ultimate line is being like, well, new metal band says well, that. They, well, they do not want to be. Uh, we were always just doing our own thing. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, in in re, in regards to that, I mean, we came out with Throttle Junkies, which was like a stoner rock record true, true. for all intensive purposes. And we just we were we were like we always consider ourselves a metal band. And then when new metal came, we were lumped in with all that. And it's just easier for us to say we're a new metal band as if we came out in the eighties and we call ourselves a hair metal band or a grunge band. I don't care. I mean, it's good to, it's good to be a part of a scene. It's not a dirty word to me. I think I'm, I'm, you know, you want to lump us in with new metal. Fine. If it's easier well, for us, yeah. I hope it's, I hope you did. We, I hope you knew this. <laughs> yeah, and we and we have a lot of new metal elements in there. We used a lot of like the effects that were going on. Then we drop took tuning. the solos. Yeah, the drop tuning. We took the solos out of the Scars record. You know, things like that. And I I'm proud to be called a new metal band. It doesn't bother me one one iota. Fucking right. We're, I I thought what was funny was when we had Ross Robinson on the podcast. And I think one of the first questions, like I was going to get into the new metal thing. And then I stopped and was like, did you know that this podcast is called the new metal agenda? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, so that's the name of the podcast. I was worried he'd like hang up right there. And I'd be like, oh, I'm not doing this. What the fuck? So fans are like afraid of the title. But even though you don't necessarily consider yourself to be one, it's great to hear you're at least embracing it. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's yeah. not really we don't consider ourselves to be one. It's like we didn't we didn't start out that way because we were, we were there a little bit before the movement began. I mean, people can say that the new metal movement started with corn and fear factory and things like, but when corn first came out with uh, their first record, I don't think that that was a new metal record. I, I consider new metal, oh boy. like <laughs> I consider new metal, like 1999 or in 2000 and 2001 on, that that corn record that came out in I think it was ninety five was it 94. 94. yeah I don't consider that a new metal record for some reason I I consider oh, that that's a record all our that time was for way today. ahead of it. thank you so much you, for joining oh, us <laughs> oh, you, you guys you guys consider the first the first corn record like do, the start of new metal do we 100%. consider the first new really? metal wow. album the start of new metal you know what <laughs> I'm gonna tell you yes yes I do it's interesting to hear you say that because I mean. I, me and our guitar player, Adam, were massive Corn fans. We, we, we like embraced that record. The week it came out, we both bought it and we were like sold. But we, we had never heard anything like that before. And yes, new, that's why it's new metal. <laughs> all right. Yeah. You so see, the, see, they're, the grand, now, they're the grandfathers of new metal. Okay. Fathers. Oh. Jesus. This is, <laughs> this is truly the puzzle coming together for you. Like, cause if you didn't think the first corn album was new metal, then of course you didn't think your album was new metal. <laughs> but let me ask you this. What did you think new metal was? Well, I think the scars record was new metal. I'm talking about throttle junkies era. We didn't oh, well, no. quite. Yeah. So, I mean, scars on, we've been, I would say we've been a new metal band, you know, tried and true ever since then. Uh, what, I, what I've but, noticed historically speaking is, is, is people, because they were probably the most visible band. People, Limp Bizkit happened, and everyone seemed to be like, "That's what new metal is." Yeah, we are not rap that. rock. Nothing yeah, else. They're like, they're like, we are not mm-hmm. that. We don't have a DJ. We don't rap. We don't. We don't wear crazy contact lenses. Like we're not that. That that I think is what happened. Is there was like this big meteor impacting planet Earth, 
And I think every band felt like they had to to differentiate themselves from there. I'm learning so much from you guys tonight. This is uh, this is let, what let we me, do. Let me, let me just ask you out of curiosity, just because I, I my I'm very piqued with this this corn conversation. If you could tell me, tell me where I mean, and since this is the new metal, you know, uh agenda here, tell me what you guys consider the very first new metal band and the 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 I'd say the fathers of new metal, the the originators of it. What what would you guys consider the very first new metal band and then like the top? the first five, 10 new metal bands that you guys would consider came out. I'm just curious. So Korn would a be, good question. Korn's the, it's an easy question. Korn's the first new metal band. Korn self-titled is the first new metal album. As for like who was there at the time of Genesis. Deftones. Uh, Deftones, I would say yeah, Deft, Deftones, Deftones formed Deftones. before Korn and their early demos, you could hear that sound that they had on Adrenaline. I yep. think that Deftones were the first band. Korn was just the first of the markets. No, corn. Corn was the first one to put it together correctly. If like, if if like Linus had come out on Maverick, like it was in, whenever that was, it, it wouldn't. Have, I don't think it would have worked. You needed a band like Corn to put it together, not just not just like on a musical level, but on a visual level too. And at the end of the day, I think that Deftones, for everything they do well, they're a little too abstract lyrically. Like their songs have a lot of interpretation to them. Whereas with Corn, you know, Jonathan Davis's whole lyrical style is just like I am in pain. I'm suffering. My parents are abusive. You know, just like right there on the table. And and that to me is how you had to launch new metal was with that, like just raw intensity of, of emotion. I would disagree with that because Cole Chambers lyrics are often nonsense. Yeah, they're that's, very why they're not the first, that's why they're not the first new metal band. I, I'm not saying that that can't be what new metal is. After all, I still don't know what what I will stone you. My little halo means. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't want to know what that means. It's just a cool thing to say. But I am saying that in order to launch the genre, you had to have that level of like naked emotional vulnerability. Very interesting. Couldn't have Very, done I mean, Couldn't so we've got it. we've got corn, the deft tones. Give me give me a few other examples of like the super early ones that you guys consider it. Cold stuck chamber? mojo, Cold chamber, right? Yes, Cold it's Chamber, Stuck Mojo. It's Stuck Mojo. Yeah, I would argue that they are. They were teetering on hardcore, yes, but I think that they had the bounce riffs and the dingy guitar tones. I'm going to take it to the mat. I'm actually going to go through my library here and actually see, sort by year and see who else hey. was around because I do want to get this right. Because like, so far we've given all the easy answers, I think, like the actually like big bands, and now I'm curious as to like... Orange 9mm? What? Orange 9mm? They Orange had a very, very funky sound yeah, we're, 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 we're talking design. we're talking straight new and not proto new here right I, yeah, I'm not yes, straight new. Yes, yeah. Actual new metal okay i mean would you guys consider fear factory a new metal band they got there obsolete yes. is a new metal album but i wouldn't call anything before obsolete new metal there i i wholeheartedly agree with you i mean the first record soul and new machine was a death metal record with clean vocals but so I, think, uh, I think an important part of actually being new metal is an embrace of uh, like 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 an, a willingness to sell out and and go for the gold grab the brass ring uh, and some of these bands don't have that same level because because a lot of the carryover from grunge was that idea that it was like fuck Ticketmaster, fuck singles fuck selling we don't care we're not doing anything our label tells us whereas new metal it was like we are going to sign an endorsement deal with puma like that's how badly we want we want to to make this work as like a lifestyle. So 
So some of these bands, I don't know if I would if I would group them up in the same level. Short Bus by Filter came out in '95, but I don't know if I would say that that's a new metal. I wouldn't album. call that a new metal album. Wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And Filter is funny. It is they're they're one of those bands where as as badly as I want to just be like new metal, they're not they're not quite there. They're not quite there. I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna meet. So it's funny because Richard Patrick is guest DJing the new metal night we're doing in Vegas. So I find I get to just ask the guy. I get to just be like, so what do you think? I, I feel I feel like he's gonna be like, no. So and then we'll we'll move on. But fine, I will just get to ask the dude. What were you saying, by the way? Tim, someone. Oh me. Yeah, someone was saying something me. before I stomped all over everyone. No, I I. I, I'm I'm enamored by your guys's uh, reaction. It, it it's very interesting to me. I, you know, I it's crazy, but I never really thought of, you know, the first corn record being the very first new metal record until we just talked about it. And you know what? You have a very valid point there. It it well, was I mean, so ahead of the time. They were wearing the tracksuits in the videos. They were dressing yeah. very hip hop. Uh, the slap bass with no notes. Oh. He, yeah. he was he's playing his bass like a drum. There, there's yeah. 808 drops that David Silveria is playing. I mean, it's it's they put the pieces together. They were they yeah. were just they were doing so much shit that that metal bands were not doing, you know. And the and the emotional vulnerability. That's what Ross had said. They really brought to it was that emotional vulnerability. Carried that's a huge like, part of it. Yeah, that that album is like it's the cure. Even if it's not intelligent, it is fucking raw. Well, guess what? After 26 years of doing soil, you guys just change my opinion on something <laughs> so there yeah. you go there you go that's what oh, we're yeah there there's another new metal band for you i have of. to by the way i would say also sepultura was early to it when they did roots that that roots was yeah roots was definitely a new metal record i agree with that you brought it up and i think it's actually a good point of comparison because you were in similar situations you and american head charge were both on a very similar boat which was we're going to give you guys a fucking ton of money and then a 9-11 thing happened and you both sort of underperformed. Did you guys cross paths at all? We didn't until later on in our careers. We had always heard people, oh, you got to hook up with American Head Charge and stuff like that. It wasn't until later years that we became friends and we started doing touring together. Uh, they're another band that did quite well in the UK. Yeah, uh, actually, and, and that too. Good, good point. Yeah. And we toured the UK together twice and had fantastic uh, turnouts and times and really great bunch of guys really great bunch of guys we had a lot of fun with them uh it's it's a shame to see that a couple of them have passed away over the years and had their own demons to deal with and stuff but i really like them and spine shanks another band that i really liked i wish they would come back in uh in some in some form i mean they've been they were my first ever show you... aren't they coming back i swear i heard something about that i hope so there was a I, I, you know what? And then it, it went away, and yeah, it might have just been because Dylan. Uh, well, there's a name off to cut out. It might just be because someone somewhere is working on getting like Johnny Santos on this show, and it was introduced to me as like, "Do you want to talk to Johnny from Spine Shank?" So I was thinking like, promising. But uh, I I think that about wraps that for me. I'm you know I, I'm really glad that we could set the record straight on new metal for you, uh, Tim and. Thanks a, a absolute zillion for making it to the show and please come to LA again. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that, Wolf. now that we have, e now that I have your email address and contact info from, from our publicist, 
uh, next time we're in the area, I'm going to definitely hit you guys up and let's share a few beers together. Big time, big time. I'm very excited to Wolf, do so. I, I know I forgot too, right? Wolf, do you have anything to add? Tim, I've been sent from the metal community to punish you with a death metal question. Ooh. Sure. So you and Adam were in the great Chicago death metal band oppressor. In Soil, you've had members of Broken Hope. Soil's name is inspired by Entombed. You're yeah. currently in embryonic autopsy. Are there any other death metal Easter eggs in the extended Soil universe that we should know about? Uh, that's you, you got them all. I mean, that's why you guys are the masters. No, I'm that's why you. he's the master. He's the <laughs> brains behind a lot of this. <laughs> he sits there with his camera off for the whole episode and then comes in at the end and is like, ha ha, your the sister's mother's daughter's birth name. <laughs> yes, uh, when we brought up in the chat that uh, you were coming on the show, he's like, oh, we have to ask him about Oppressor. First thing Wolf said. Uh, well, I mean, Oppressor was, you know, that was me and Adam's baby, you know, back in the day. And I still listen to death metal to this day. That's why I started a new death metal band, Embryonic Autopsy. And actually, we just finished a tour and we were in California, <laughs> but I didn't know you guys then. Or else I what, is, what, is, what is death metal? Come on, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> I don't fucking listen to any other type of metal. Like, you know, I don't listen to any other type of metal. What is well, the here's, most here's, famous death metal band of all time? Well, you want to well, much like corpse, porn, probably. Yeah, Cannibal Corpse obituary. Cannibal Death. Corpse and is here's... a new metal. Cannibal Corpse is a new metal band. <laughs> I could just, here's... I just, I do that all day. It's like nothing to me. It's like nothing. How you are with Corn? That's the way I feel about the band called Death. They're to me the very first death metal band. That Rest ever in peace, Chuck Shoulder. Cool. Yeah, a lot of people say Possess Seven Churches, but I They're think it was Death. Band. Scream Buddy Gore. Yeah, absolutely. Possessed is thrash. Death. Scream Buddy Gore is the first death metal record. Corn is the first new metal record we man we've we've accomplished we've we've got a lot of ground taken care of today i mean the four of us are solving all the world problems here we're canonizing metal history (laughs) now kirk death metal and new metal have a common ground in slam that definitely does it for me i'd like to thank our (laughs) guests for joining us no fucking way we're gonna talk about slam Uh, i'd like to thank our guests for joining us tim Thanks so much for making it to the show. Wishing you all the greatest in Australia. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And thank you guys. It was a real fun interview. I, I, uh, I didn't quite know what path we were going down, but it was real fun and entertaining. So you guys got something really cool going on over there. Thanks for, thanks for keeping new metal alive. We always, and we always will. And speaking of keeping new metal alive, make sure everyone at home that's listening to this constantly is supporting, uplifting and platforming the new bands and the bands that are just out there working their ass off on the road, kind of like soil. Uh, That'll be all for me, though. Have yourselves a great night.